The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Eight All Ireland medals, 30 years at the forefront of Irish television, and the rights to words like puke football. My next guest can be regarded as one of the greatest players of all time and one of the greatest pundits of all time. He now adds author to that extensive list of achievements. His new book is called In the Blood, My Life in and Out of Football. Pat Spillane, good morning and welcome. Thank you, Pat. Delighted to be here. So many careers. So, so many, many lives. And do you know what? And I was saying, when I was thinking about it, we worked together. The only time we worked together. Do you know when the only time we worked no, together? No, tell me. We were both judges for the Miss Ireland competition. And I can tell you who won it. Tell it me. was the year Michelle Rocca won it. And then we, I went on to do the Eurovision we Song We selected Michelle Rocca. And I remember at the time, Pat, whether you remember it or not, but I remember the, the, the organisers of the Miss Ireland were trying to influence us to say, look, pick Mich- Michelle Rocca because at the time she was going out with John Devine who was an Arsenal soccer player. The Miss World contest was going to be in London. They'd get huge publicity for the Irish Miss Ireland and maybe Mich- but anyway, we picked Michelle Rocca so that was the only one and only time I worked with you Pat. And we were not influenced. No, absolutely the- not. <laughs> we're good judges of, of, of the female. Of pulchritude. Yes, yes let's yeah. use that word. Now, um, y- your book spans everything from your youth um your first All-Ireland uh, speech as vice-captain, you didn't even know you were vice-captain, which you said is probably the, the worst, worst winning All-Ireland speech ever made in Croke Park. Yes, the, the, the shortest and worst. Now, <laughs> nowadays, no stone is left unturned for All-Ireland captains and there's a scripted speech for every captain of winning and losing teams in the Before they go win. They do, yeah. It's all, you'll see immediately the PR guy the handler can, hands a, a, a pre-planned speech after the game. Uh, I remember uh, Mickey Ned O'Sullivan was the captain. He got knocked out, concussed, taken to hospital. Kerry won the game, 1975. And somebody came up to me and said, by the way, you're the captain. You're taking the cup, which was an amazing honour. The only thing I remember, the steward taking me up to the steps of, of the Hogan stand to get the, the trophy. And I said... I'm not good in Irish. My Irish wasn't great. I said, what's the Irish for on behalf of uh, our son? So I can remember, Thank you very much. That was it. <laughs> Pretty it. much. Well, maybe there was a hippie parade or something like that. Short and sweet. But look, uh, it was an amazing honour. I was 19 years of age uh, and I was standing on the steps of Crow Park with the Sam Maguire over my head. What? Now, eight All-Ireland medals. Did you leave a few behind you? Uh, perhaps we did. Look, I played in 10 All-Ireland finals. Uh, you we left a five in a row behind us against Offaly uh, but we were beaten and look I have no regrets we, we, we played in ten we won eight good innings don't know. good innings and of course the great uh, Dublin team Kevin Heffernan at the time he kind of reinvented fitness for for the teams and we see that today It's fitness is everything today uh, I mean doesn't like the present Dubs team are unbelievable what they've achieved but you have to go back to what Heffernan achieved with Dublin because Heffernan saved Dublin football, but he saved the GA and Gaelic football because the GA in the 70s, uh, the influence of soccer, match of the day, you know, GA was, yeah. was bog ball, it was the country boys. And suddenly Heffo came along with a successful Dublin team and Kerry came along as their great rivals and it made the GA hot and sexy again. And yes, Heffo was the first guy that brought a new level of fitness to inter-county football and Mick O'Dwyer said if we're going to match the dubs we're going to have to match them in fitness we're going to have to get even fitter and one of the in the first year I remember we had 
30 training sessions in a row with Mika because we were going to be the fittest team in Ireland and at the time we probably were. Yeah. Now we all know about uh, the ABUs, the anybody but Uniteds. There was anybody, uh, ABDs, anybody but the dubs, wasn't there? It was country and city. It was. It was the cultures against the city slickers you know, uh, and it was, but it was great days. I mean, you had the first time there was colour, there were songs, there was the blue and white, the Hill 16 in song. It was brilliant, brilliant days and I think it was, it, it was the saving of the J, it was the saving of Gaelic football and the great thing about that Dublin team is that we were rivals on the field and to this day we're, we're friends off the field great yeah. lads great achievers and this present Dublin team are just as good because they're brilliant footballers and they're brilliant role models the sad reality in the G we don't seem to promote them as role models because no one knows who they are and like the James McCarthy's the Michael Fitzsimons Connor Callens, these should be up on billboards all over the city they should be as familiar to us as Premier League players absolutely and they're not which is uh, I think it's partly the G's fault partly county managers fault they want the media bands and they don't Mm. want high profile for players but look at the moment we're in the G world we have a guy called David Clifford we're privileged to be probably he's going to be probably the greatest player of all time he should be on He's our Messi, he's our Ronaldo. He should be on, on every billboard in the country. He should be av- yeah. advertising every big part. Now, now, you're a great advocate for the players and you, you mention in your book that um, the only people who are not being paid at a training session at, are the players. It, it, it's, it's going to, like, it's now, we had the split season, but the split season means that the inter-county players start training in November and if, if they play the All-Ireland, they finish the All-Ireland at the end of July. Then they go straight from that into playing with the with the club. So it's all the year round. Intercounty training is all but professional in name. And I and I don't know how they do to be quite honest. Uh and in many cases, in many county setups Everyone is getting paid except the player. And at some stage, now they're being well looked after and expenses and mileage, but at some stage, I'm not too sure will they take it much on. Can they play all the year mm-hmm. round, serve so many masters uh, and and money being made off the back of their exploits? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Now, you, you think that money, money, money is at the heart of some of the GAA's problems and uh, that line about uh, the, the, the stand being improved and the facilities being improved for the Monday to Friday yeah, business. Yeah, I, I, that took me, I mean, it was Peter McKinnon, who's a brilliant commercial director of Crow Park, uh, and he mentioned the Monday to Friday customer, and, and obviously the Monday to Friday customer is a big is a big uh, contributor to finance in in yeah. Crow Park. Uh, but you know, it, it got in my goat a bit. They're putting twelve million, and, and I, I have no problem with de- redeveloping, refurbishing Cusick or with the Cusick stand. But like at the moment in 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 the GA world, there's a lot of problems. The, sta- the standard of Gaelic football is deplorable. Uh, hurling is dying in many counties. Lots of rural clubs in the mm. peripheral areas are struggling to field teams. Well, this business of dropping counties from the senior hurling, uh, uh, you're in favour of well, spend the money instead on developing the, well, the, the sport well, in school rather than wasting money well, on well, a senior team. Well, I can see the, the, the honour and glory of representing one county, but in some counties where there's only one or two hurling clubs, you know, I'm not too sure. Like, I, I quoted in, in my article in Sunday World uh, about uh, solving the problems of world hunger, you know, give me a fish and you feed me for a day, teach me to fish and you feed me for life, education. And in, in, in I think for hurling, it's coaching. And, and for coaching, coaching is long term, mm. but you need to put coaching, but the J need to put money into the clubs, now, into w- the county, sorry. W- one of the things that many people who never saw you play know you for is is punditry and the yeah. Sunday game uh, and uh, like you were very outspoken were you deliberately outspoken or just passionate and it spilled out I think in the early days in the early days I was influenced by the likes of the particularly Dunphy and maybe uh, and I, I hold my hands up and uh, I was looking for that soundbite and to be the bad guy maybe uh, maybe in the first couple of years yeah and lot of mercy in my mother What year was Puke Football with Tyrone? Well, no Puke Football was 2003 and I said it in the book actually it was one of the rare times that 
county allegiance took over from being from fair analysis because I was looking at the Tyrone team we used to play Norton teams for years and the Norton teams were just as good as us but they were in all of us and by the time they realised they were as good as Kerry had won and in 2003 Mickey Hart came down with the Tyrone team they weren't going to stand back and admire Kerry football they weren't in awe of the Kerry they tore into Kerry and they beat Kerry fair and square and I mentioned the, the words puke football which has stuck to me for the rest of my life and I and I felt sorry and I apologised after because it was a label that was a, a, attached to that Tyrone team which they didn't deserve but I will say it was a precursor and a, and a, and a, and a warning bells were there of the way the way the, way the yeah. game of Gaelic football ev- evolving which was about worrying about the opposition stopping the opposition by fair and foul and that's what we've got in this day and age we've got paralysis by analysis where it's about safety first and it's about defences dominating and it's about stopping the opposition mm. Now yourself and, and Joe Brawley had a fair few uh, set twos uh, on, uh, in punditry um, Joe was dumped then well, look, when the new, when the now present director of sport, head of sport came into RT, Declan McBinnett, I know he had made a point that he was going to, the days of celebrity pundits were gone. And uh, Hook and Dunphy and Giles and all of them, they've all gone. And I, I was the first to be dumped in because I knew it from a phone call that I wasn't, didn't need any, uh, that I was going to be dumped. And the all had final of a couple of years ago, myself, uh, Kieran Whelan, Joe Bradley, and Joe lost the rag, and he was very contrary and very. And he touched me on the on the on the on the, on the, the knee, and because he touched me on the knee, and because of his aggressive manner, RT wasn't happy with him, and Joe got sacked. But because Joe got sacked, he saved me, and I got two <laughs> extra years out of it. So I have to be thankful. Look, I had great years with RT. I was privileged to be. In How do you get with on with Joe, by the way? If you I get on great with Joe, and in actual fact, when I launched the book, we launched the book in Spillane's Bar in Timpano, which is a, a beautiful success story because it's a bar that's reopened. It's 178 years this In your family. 178 years this year. This, this, and we launched a book outside, the, outside the, the bar, beautiful October day, and I got Joe Bradley down to launch the book. <laughs> Magic. Yeah. Um, the, the point you were making uh, is that uh, punditry is an entertainment. We see Roy Keane uh, and Gary uh, Neville yeah. uh, having a right go at each other or at uh, managers well, and so on. You say it's entertainment... It doesn't have to be analytical about the corner forward moving this way or I that way. I think the problem is that uh, we forgot what we were good at in, in the Sunday game. We forgot what we were good at in RT. We forgot what we were good at with RT sports analysis programmes. And we started worrying about the opposition. And we were looking at the skies and the and the BTs and all that. And we were looking at all their gizmos, their gadgets, all their range of stats, all their deep dive analysis. And sort of RT shifted in their sports analysis towards being serious and analytical. And at the end of the day, about five to ten percent of the people are NREX that want deep dive analysis about Dublin's kick-out strategy. Ninety percent of the people that watch television or watch sport want to be entertained. And what we did, uh, what we reflected, we reflected uh, on the Sunday game, Brawley O'Rourke and myself, what the GA was all about. Fun, crack, passion, banter or whatever like that. And the gas part about us, I, we forgot what we were good at. We worried about the opposition. And guess what's after happening nowadays? Sky have adopted the celebrity. So now Sky are going to Roy Keane, Michael Richards, uh, Car- Jamie Carroll, Phil Neville, they've gone back to what RT were doing and we've gone to where Sky is and we've missed the beat, I think. But anyway. Mm. Um, the, the, the book is uh, very entertaining. I mean, your life as a, a teacher, a pundit, a footballer, uh, your home life, losing your dad young, it's, it's all there in the book. But there's one chapter that really upset me and that's about your role as a rural ambassador, this Cedra business 
and an appearance on the Late Late Show, which strangely enough was pre-recorded because yes. it was going to go out on Good, on Friday, Good Friday, and people were not going to work, so it was a pre-recorded show. What did you say? And how did it get you into trouble? Uh, I, I, I got involved in rural Ireland with, because when I retired from, from teaching, I wanted to give something back to rural Ireland. I felt, you know, the immigration, no jobs, unemployment, schools closing, hospitals, the, 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 the full shooting gallery. And I, and I got onto Phil Hogan. I said, we need to have a plan for a, a rural Ireland, an action plan for... T- and jobs is the vital thing. And Phil Hogan appointed me to Cedra. And I remember when going to the first meeting of stakeholders and I came back from the first meeting of stakeholders and I said... Phil, I says, I'm come, I'm, I come from a sports background. If I go into a dressing room and everyone is wearing a blue jersey, I know they're on my team. But I said, I'm just after going into a, a meeting of stakeholders of all rural Ireland and none of them are playing with me. And Phil said, and I thought, a very sharp man, he said, yeah, he said, they're Gaelic fullbacks. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, they mind their own patch. And, yeah. and that I found a lot of what was happening in rural Ireland. Lots of great people, but a lot of people minded their own patches. Now, uh, I was critical, I was outspoken and I hold my hand up, I stepped on many toes, and unfortunately, uh, they got rid of me, and that's fine. Out, I have no problem with no, that. But that's only the beginning. Uh, the beginning, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It and this was the hardest part of the book. I swear to God, uh, for the two and a half year, uh, the two and a half years after, I, I couldn't sleep at night uh, because and and I found it very difficult to write the book and to recall what happened to me because I had upset the system, the establishment. Call it what you want. A lot of people, and they got their revenge. First of all, it started with. Um, Leaks to newspapers, giving articles to favourable journalists, uh, messages from my private messages from my text, and it went from that to that to that. And then when that finished, it went to every, I wouldn't say every, but a lot of government agencies and departments started wanting to interrogate me, investigate and whatever like that. And it went on for two years. Time after time, oh, it was just, I, I couldn't, I, I kept most of it to myself, only my wife. Never slept at night, uh, would would get up during the night and have a cup of tea. And I remember one night sitting at the table with Rosari crying and I said, we don't deserve this. I hadn't done anything wrong. Mm. Uh, I was outspoken, yeah. I had probably upset, stepped on too many toes. Uh, it just goes to show in this country, if you do, if you do cross powerful people, they can make life very hard. It was awful. Uh, after two and a half years, the final letter said it's concluded. I remember hugging Rosario for 20 minutes in the kitchen. And, you know, we said we have our health, we have our kids and we move on. And this is one thing I can do with life. I can park it and I move on. But uh, there weren't memorable years. I'll, I'll read just a, a one paragraph. This was the drip, drip, drip of public assassination. I was told by some people it was because I was being outspoken. Outspoken? Is that a crime? A minister in a government department wanted to know what I was earning in my private life. I was outspoken and that was the result. I was told I was high profile and in the limelight. Was that making people unhappy? That April, TD Thomas Byrne tweeted, Let me get this straight. A citizen criticises the minister and the minister demands his employers reveal the citizen's salary and private information. How is this happening? GDPR? Yeah, it, it, this, I, I, and I've, I was advised on several times to, to get to not to pursue things, but I didn't. I was, it was so, it was so destroying me mentally and physically. My health was, my blood pressure. I mean, I, I was brought to one meeting and I said, uh, and I had gone to the doctor with high blood pressure and the doctor said, under no circumstances, can you go to the meeting tomorrow? When, when that was informed to the people who were investigating me, they said, sorry, if Pat isn't at the meeting tomorrow, even though I had a doctor cert, uh, this is going to be escalated up to a higher level. I had to go to the meeting the following day, this investigation, 
And I remember I had the doctor again the following day and I spent four days in bed with very high blood pressure. It was it was awful. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Uh, but like I said, I can compartmentalise life. I can say the good days, I packed them. This was a bad day. I've packed it and I've moved on. I have my health, I have my wife and I have lovely kids and I have two grandchildren and I'm as happy as Larry. No regrets. In the Blood it's called My Life In and Out of Football. It's uh, written by Pat Salan with a, a little help from Michael Moynan who put some of the words on the page and uh, it's published by Gill Books. Pat Salan, thank you very much. It was a pleasure, Pat. Thank you very studio. much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.